Pastor B. I'm so glad you joined me this evening for Sunday service. How have you been? I trust you had a brilliant week this past week. And we're looking forward to this next week, the last week in November as we hit the Christmas month. Are you excited about Christmas? Have you done your Christmas shopping? Or is it a bit difficult right now to go to the shops? But hopefully next week or thereabouts, we will, or rather is it this week or next week, that the lockdown in the um, UK will be lifted a bit so we can go to the shops and get ready for Christmas. Happy Thanksgiving to all my friends in the United States. I'm still expecting my turkey from you guys. <laughs> I'm so glad to have you to, to have you this uh, evening join me for service. You know, um, the book of Ephesians is one interesting book of the of the Bible. And every Christian that have not taken a deep dive in Ephesians, I will please ask you to or ask you to. Uh, because the book of Ephesians um, unlocks uh, infinite possibilities for a Christian. So it is a book as a Christian you should uh, be acquainted with, to say the least. It's one book of the Bible that you should um, read as often as you can because that book will take you to the next level. So the question I asked at the beginning of this series, I was like, if you have ever pondered, you know, within yourself and you've asked yourself, as if that's for Christians, that now I'm a Christian, what is next? Then this series is for you. It's just being a Christian, is it just saying the, the prayer, the sinner's prayer, that's it? What is next? You know, what's next? And this book of Ephesians actually unfolds what is next for you. It tells you what you are. As a Christian, I always say this. You are not a mere man. You are not. You are not like the regular man on the streets. You are not. You have God living right on your inside. You are superhuman. But all of this I've just said, they are just words. They are lyrics. If you don't unlock that potential. That is how a lot of Christians are. Powerful. I mean, power. What for? And yet, a lot of us are suffering under one cause or the other. Do you know why? There is an unveiling that they need to do. They need to know first what they can do, then take themselves out to the racetrack of earth and put their potential and put their powerful abilities to work and everything changes for them when they know and start putting it to work. It happened to me. When I started unveiling the things Christ has done for me, 
the things Christ has given me. Where I am now in Christ. I said, I'm putting it to work. Now, I'm going to tell you a story. That's something I did. Um, in the year 2003, we, I was working in a city and also planting a church in that city. 2003, that is about, wow, that is 17 years ago, almost 20, 20, 20 years. And this was, you know, four or five years into my getting deep into this revelation. My journey into who I am in Christ started about 20 years ago. I'm telling you, 21 now. So I wanted to put some of these things to work. So we're planting the church there. Then I was transferred to another city that's about 35 or so, 40 miles away, you know, for work. So because of the church being planted and it's a new church, I will always go back every Sunday for service. Because it's a new church. I always go back every Sunday for service. I always go back every Sunday for service. So one of those days, I was driving to that city for, for service and I was running late. <laughs> so at the junction just before the, you, at the junction that you return into the street where the church is, a bus driver just blocked the entrance to the street. He didn't stop at the bus stop where he's supposed to. He just stopped at the entrance of that street and told the passengers to get back. And I was so furious. I honked and honked and honked at the driver. The driver just looked at me, brought out his head from the window and looked at me and continued what he was doing, telling his passengers to get down. I think they were struggling with something that I don't know what was actually going on. I honked again, I honked again. The driver didn't bother looking at me. And I got so mad. <laughs> Glory be to God. Thank God for the work of the Holy Spirit in me. And I opened my car and I jumped out. I said I was going to go and fight someone. <laughs> I jumped out, went to the drive, the driver's side window, banged on the window, and I told him, "Get your car out of the road." Then the guy now turned and looked at. That's why I got a closer look at the guy. The guy turned and looked at me. His eyes was red, bloodshot red. He had a scar obviously maybe from a bottle fight or something. And I took a deep breath. Oh, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> and I took one step back. The guy opened his door and came out from the car. I was like, what do you think you are? What are you worth? At that split second, I knew this was going to go sideways. By that split second, I needed to make a decision. Should I back down and start apologizing or should I stand my ground? All this things just happened in a split second. I decided to stand my ground. Of course, I knew the guy was not in his right, right senses. I probably drank that morning, smoked something. So he's high. You can see it in his eye. He's very, very high. It wasn't him at that moment. But I made that decision, split second, to stand my ground. And I stood my ground and I screamed at him. I said, enter your car now and drive out. And I stood my ground. It was as if the driver just froze 
in his truck. Remember, he was already aggressive and wanted to give it to me. He made like, said, get back into your car and drive your rickety bus out of the way. He just froze for about a second and a half. I don't know if I was thinking about it, but I could sense there was a force that came out from my command. So he froze. He just said, oh, he just turned, entered his car, and drove out. And on my inside, <laughs> I wasn't sure of how I was feeling, but I had to put up an appearance. I'm like, yes, yes, drive out. Yes, drive out. Yes, take your car out. And I started screaming. And I got it down, entered his car, and shockingly, he drove his car out. And I go back into my car and I sat down. And the Holy Spirit said to me, This is how you need to respond to devils. That any time you sense demonic activity anywhere around you, He said, This is how you need to respond to them. You need to back command them and command them out of your life. You see them anywhere around your children, command them. You see them anywhere around your career, issue the command. You see them anywhere around your health, issue the command. You see them trying to spoil some of your plans and your activities, command them. He's attacking your finances. You need to get mad. Stand your ground. Issue the command. See, this is how you put Satan on the run. The Bible says, Who steadfastly resist in faith when the enemy runs and mock in your marriage? Steadfastly resist him in faith. And I'm like, yeah. He said he let this happen. I wanted to see what I would do. And thank God, I did the right thing. And I said, never forget this image, this picture. Always have it at the back of your mind. Well, whenever you pray and issue a command against the enemy, this is exactly what happens. You might not see it physically happening, but know for sure that this is what happens. That that enemy, that devil, is put on the run. And my life changed from that day. I got a new insight in who I am now as a Christian. I got a new insight in what I have now as a Christian. I got a new insight on what I can do now as a Christian. And guess what? You can do the same thing. You have the power. You have the authority. You are seated in Christ in the heavenly place. When you speak, devils run. They flee in fear because God is speaking through you because he lives in you. This book of Revelation, this book of Ephesians is the book that did it for me. And I know that the Holy Spirit through this series will speak to your heart and he will do it for you. Father, I pray for this one. 
as we are about to take a deep dive into your word. Holy Spirit, grant us insight. I pray for the spirit of wisdom. I pray for the spirit of revelation. In the knowledge of you, tear the veil of our eyes, oh Lord. If you're watching me right now, put your hand on your eyes. I say, tear the veil. Say, I command the veil on my eyes to be removed, to be destroyed. Ask for ourselves, and I ask for ourselves for them, that they might see and see indeed. That this revelation of who they are in you, let it dawn on them. Tattoo it, Lord, on the flesh parts of your heart. This I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, all right. Let's take a deep dive. You know, the last time we looked at uh, being sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of power. Glory be to God. Please go back, listen to the podcast. Listen to the podcast, please, please, please. So you can have a foundation of this teaching. We're still on chapter 1. So this is the third part of chapter 1 that we're starting today. That Holy Spirit that sealed us ensures that He Himself will never leave us. And no evil, no devil can come into you. So as a Christian, you cannot be possessed. As a Christian, God cannot leave you. To never think that when you don't sense the presence of the Holy Spirit, that God has forgotten you. He can never leave you. His word says that he will never leave you nor forsake you. The second thing that the seal of the Spirit has also done for us believers is that it has authenticated us. You know, when you get some title document or some legal document, they put a seal at the bottom. What that seal does, that the seal, that seal is a seal of approval, is a seal of authentication. That seal in the realm of the spirit on the believer is a seal, is a no trespass sign to the enemy. It tells the enemy, this child of God, you cannot touch him. You cannot harm him. You cannot steal from him. You cannot kill him. Neither can you destroy him. So it is a no trespass sign to the kingdom of darkness. That seal of the Holy Spirit. So know that for sure. That is what that seal does in the life of a Christian. He now said in verse 15, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, Verse 16 now says, do not cease to give thanks for you. I love Paul. He starts his prayers with thanksgiving. Why does he start his prayer with thanksgiving? Because when you thank God, you also showcase and put to work your faith in him. It also shows that you are so grateful for the things that he has done for you and he also lets yours he lets him know that you are trusting him to do more to answer the prayer you are about or the request you are about to make of him so he thanked god for their faith he thanked god for their love in the next verse he also talked about their hope so these are the three divine elements Faith, hope, and love. Of course, love, as you know, is the greatest of the three. 
The next thing I want to point out for you in this verse is also buttressing what Jesus told his disciples. He told his disciples in John chapter 13 verse 35. He said, By this shall men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. So this is something, if you're a Christian, you must cultivate. Love your brothers. Love your sisters. Love them with an undying love. This is how we advertise the kingdom to the world. In verse 16, he also talked about making mention of them in their prayers. In his prayers, rather. Making mention of them in his prayers. I'm going to say something about this because it's very, 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 very important. What does that mean, you might ask? Whenever he was praying for them, he was mentioning their names. He was mentioning their names. And I want you to learn this. If there is something you are trusting God for, you are praying for, learn to be specific. Call that thing by name. You trust God for a job in a certain industry, in a certain company. Call the job title by name. Call the company by name in the place of prayers. Be specific. When you are specific in the place of prayers, it's like dropping a pin on the map. Or maybe you're praying for somebody to be healed. You're praying for somebody to be saved. You're praying for somebody to express a breakthrough. Call the person's name. Be specific. I personally even take it a step further because I have this <laughs> unusual imagination. Because I know when I go on my map and I'm looking for a location, I'm going traveling somewhere, and I put that location on my GPS, maybe Google Maps. Do you know what the map app will do? The map app will drop a pin at my destination. So I have a vivid imagination. That's me. Because when I pray, I use my imagination a lot. My imagination a lot. Because the Bible have already told me in this same Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, that God will do beyond what I have prayed, my words, what I have asked of him. He will also do the things that I think. So whenever I pray, I get my mind to work alongside with my lips. Once they are in unison and they function in unity, <laughs> every prayer I pray always comes to pass. So what do I mean that I take it a step further? When I pray for somebody, I try to find out that person's full name if I can. I also try to find out where the person is from. Because when you go through the names of people, either in your address book or the internet, you'll find that, okay, a good place to do this um, to do this little research is on Facebook. Type a name, even the first name and the second name and the surname on Facebook. You will see many people bearing that same first name and the second name. Right? <laughs> but if you take it a step further to the person's location or rather origin, where is the person's origin? Country, state, um, clan or town. So that's what I do. Whenever I pray for someone, 
I call the person's full name. I say, off. <laughs> Dalam in Cheshire, northwest of England, United Kingdom. I've automatically separated that person from the lot that have the person's name. This also happens in the realm of the spirit. When you address that person and you are praying prophetically, a pin drops precisely on the head of the person you are praying for. And as I start speaking, I see, oh, glory be to God. I'm just trying to show you this is how I do my prophetic prayer. I see, like you see that pin from Google on that person's head. Okay, I'll try and put a pin on my head as I'm preaching. So you know what I mean? You see that pin on my head right now, yeah? When I'm praying for that person, I visualize the person 